Take your Bibles, if you will, find the book of First John, book of First John. Near the back of your Bible, the book of First John. Now, man, if you are going on the men's retreat, I need to know you need to sign up because they probably will be calling me probably this week to let me know, to ask me how many men are going because they need to uh, get the cabin assignments as well as the food prepared for all the men that are going to be there. And uh, so if you're signed up, uh, that's great. And if you can make it all day, or be there, we're going to leave here Thursday and then come back Saturday. But if you can't go out Thursday evening, you can meet us out there. It's only two hours away. And uh, come out there Friday and spend the day with us. We'll have a great time at this retreat. It's always a fun time and always look forward to it and all that God has for us. Always a good time to get together with people we really don't see a whole lot, maybe once or twice a year. All right. So if you're interested in going, please talk to me and say, Pastor, I really like the, about the men's retreat, and we'll see what we can do here. All right. We're in the book of First John. Now, First John, again, was written by the disciple, the apostle, John. He's writing to the church, trying to encourage the church that's in Ephesus because of a lot of the things that was going on with them. And he was once their pastor. He's no longer their pastor, but he's writing to them as a former pastor, trying to encourage them and warn them about false doctrine. And remember, at the end of the day, what all that really matters is doctrine. Doctrine is what matters. We don't get together because we have warm, fuzzy feelings. We don't get together because we have a, you know, we we're all the same nationality. We we get to, and, and, and which is not the case here. If you haven't paid attention around here, we we get together because of the common bond we have in Christ and the belief in a and and and, and the teachings of the Scripture, and uh, that's what's important. That's brought us together, and if we can't agree on on on, on fundamental Bible doctrines, then we're 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 not walk. We can't walk together. Bible says, can two walk together except they be agreed? And uh, that's, so that's true. And, and so the church must be together in doctrine. So John is writing them. They're combating Gnosticism, which was a false teaching them, giving them a false Christ, a fake Christ. And so John writes this, encouraging the church on who Christ is and the bond of fellowship they have together one with another. And so we want to spend some time this morning uh, and give you some thoughts. They're not popular thoughts. <laughs> In fact, this is the next portion where John is going. It's sometimes difficult for some people to understand what he's talking about. So in 1 John chapter number 2, he's writing to these believers in the church that's in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, that was established by the Apostle Paul who established these churches on his mission on his first missionary journey. And he says in verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now, Father, we're thankful we can be here. Thank you for the songs that have been sung. Thank you for the uh, the church members that are able to be here this day, bless those who are homesick and unable to be here, can give health and strength back to them. Bless those who are traveling in a way and watch over them. And Lord, now as we come together, speak to our hearts through your word. May Christ be honored and glorified. May we 
understand the truth of Scripture. Spirit of God, give us ears to hear and open our eyes that we may understand and behold wondrous truths from thy word. Lord, as the song was sung this morning, Lord, be thou our vision and help us to see and uh, that we may understand what you're trying to tell us here in these, this portion of Scripture. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. John, in writing to the church and writing to the believers there, gives them this commandment where he says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so when we look at that, it's very clear what he's saying, but let's, if we're not clear in what he's saying, let's try to break it down to understand what, what he's talking about. There are the kingdoms of this world, and then there are the kingdom, there's the kingdom of God. When Jesus was being crucified, Pontius Pilate asked, you know, aren't you, if you're a king, why don't you do something? Because my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight for me. And he made the case that there's another world, there's a spiritual realm. But you, Pontius Pilate, you work for the kingdoms of this world. You work for Rome. And, and, uh, and I don't want to get too into it right now, but when we understand Scripture and we see what God has to say, especially in the book of Daniel, Daniel makes it very plain and clear that the kingdoms of this world are run by demonic forces. And if you're not paying attention to the crazy that's going on all around the world, you're, you're, you're missing it. Now, that may make us sound strange to the lost world, but my friend, that's the reality of the situation. That's the only way it can make sense why people do what they do because there's demonic things. So there's these two kingdoms that we're talking about here. And they are, these two kingdoms are opposed to each other. The kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world are, they're diametrically opposed. They're completely different one from another. And yet here we are, we find ourselves in this world and the kingdoms of this world and, and we're not to be enamored with them. The, 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 kingdoms of, the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world cannot peacefully exist. I know we're looking for a, a, an answer to the Middle East problem. And the, the world's solution is a two-state solution. And, uh, and if you're paying attention to the protesters yesterday, those Palestinian, or I should say pro-terrorist, pro-Hamas uh, organizations... They were chanting in New York and in Washington, D.C., we don't want a two-state. We want one state, which means they want one. They want the Jews gone. That's the only way they'll ever, ever be happy is to eliminate the Jews, which is, by the way, never going to happen if you read this book. <laughs> They're going to be gone. Jews aren't going anywhere. Now, so the, these people are out there, they're... they're they're chanting death to people. They're chanting death to Jews, death to Israel, death to the West, death to Christians. And, and, and you know, what, what, a, what, a, what mindset is of these people? Pastor Horry and I were talking before service, and I was in North, Northampton, Massachusetts yesterday very briefly, and there was a pro-Palestinian protest going on there, which is kind of useless, by the way. You're there in the, the most peaceful of places in Massachusetts, and you're out there with your little pro-Palestinian sign, absolutely doing nothing. And when you get done, you put your sign away, and then you go down to Starbucks, and you, and, and, you, and you think you've accomplished something in life, and you've done absolutely nothing. If these people are really serious about what they believe, they would get on a plane, fly over there, pick up arms, and do something. But they, they're not about to give up their Chipotle and Starbucks and, and actually go do something for a living. 
And so they, they stay here and they, peace, they protest and they attack the White House and, and spray paint it and, uh, on the gates and everything. But you have to wonder about these people because if you were to take these people, actually put them in Palestine, what would happen to them? If you were to take these, like I saw one guy yesterday protesting, you know, forgive me, but this is his sign, you know, queers for Palestine. I want you to understand, if, if, if you were to take that man and put him into Gaza and he was to do what he was doing, they, they would throw him off a roof in a heartbeat because they're not tolerant of that lifestyle. And as far as all the ladies are concerned, if ladies, if you don't go over there and put a burqa over you and cover up, they're going to put a bullet in your head because that's what they do over there. That's, that's what's happening. We have people sit here peacefully or they sit here in, a, in this country and they scream and yell knowing nothing's going to happen to them. You believe something, go put feet to your effort. Now, the world has its kingdoms and what it's screaming for, and then there's God's kingdom. And, and, and Christians, Christian people, how are we to be characterized? Well, the Bible says we're, we're, we're known by if we have what? Love one towards another and, and care for one another. That's and, and, and genuine affection for the world. We don't hate anybody. I know the world thinks we do, but we don't hate anybody. Just because we don't agree with their lifestyle does not mean we hate them. We want people to know Jesus. We want people to know what it means to be saved. We want them to understand the gospel, and therefore they can have a relationship with Christ that will last for eternity as the song sung this morning. Because there is more to this than what we have right now. Imagine if I was to take you and I was to put you in, go back to April 10th of 1912, and I, and I put you in Southampton, England, and I said, listen, I got you a first-class ticket. And in today's market, that first-class ticket on the ocean liner Titanic would be roughly $134,000 in today's market. And I'm putting you on the ship. Now, of course, you know what happens. First of all, you'd probably say, no, I'm not going. But if I was to tell you, no, you're gonna, you'd be rescued, but you still, and you'd be on that ship. And what do you know? You know that that ship is not going to make New York. You know somewhere in the middle, something really bad is going to happen one night, and that ship is going down, and, and over 1,200 or 1,500 people are going with it into that watery grave. What would you be doing as a passenger on board that ship? Would you be enamored with the beautiful wooden staircase or the, or the absolute gorgeous meals and the, and, and, and the absolutely beautiful room that you're placed in? Or would you be doing your best to tell as many people as possible that, listen, this ship is doomed and, and many of you are going to go off into eternity in just a few days? That's what you should be doing, by the way, if you were to be, have that opportunity. So what's your point? My point is, my friend, we read this book. <laughs> you understand this ship <laughs> is doomed. It's going down. And the only boat is called Jesus Christ that, that's going to take you to safety. And so when John says, love not the world, he's, he's telling us, don't get caught up in this place because it's all going to be firewood one day. We've all, like a good fireplace throw some wood on the fire and sit there and relax and watch it we had the fire pit we 
and do that and, and, and enjoy that? When was the last time you took a piece of firewood and hugged it and said, oh, I just love this firewood. It's so beautiful. It's so wonderful. And, and, it, and, and, and toss it in the fire. It's, 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 it serves one purpose. It's to, to burn, throw off heat, light, and, and for you to be enamored with it for a little while. But really, its purpose is heat and light. It's all it's good for. This world's firewood, my friend. It's going to get burned up. So when he says, why are we, he says, love not the world. What is he talking about? Well, when we think about the world, what is he, is he talking about, well, for instance, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. So is this a contradiction? Where in one part, John says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes there's not perish but everlasting life. And, and then here in John, he says, love not the world. Is it is it the same thing? No, it's not the same thing. You see, when he's talking about the world in John 3.16, he's talking about the inhabitants of the world, the people of it. And you and I are to love the inhabitants of this world because they, they're all somebody for whom Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross for, somebody whom Christ gave his life for, that they could have redemption. Every human being is a candidate. That's what I like about witnessing is because if they're alive and human, they're a candidate for the gospel. So he's not talking about the, the people of the world. So what is he referring to here? Well, my friend, he's, he's referring to the, the system of the world, the system itself, and, and, and to be caught up in it. Now, Tuesday's election day. I encourage you to go vote. We need to vote for good people in office. I don't know how many good people are actually running Right now, it's kind of a local thing. We've got some mayor, people running for mayor in this town. We've got a three-way race for mayor in this town. And, and, uh, and, and, and so we've got uh, Board of Ed people, and we've got assemblymen and assemblywomen running. So you've got to make a decision and, and, and vote your best Christian conscience for these people. I don't know of any born-again Christian running for mayor in town, but we need to vote anyway. I know what I'm going to do. And... Um, but we need to vote. But I'm not in love with this system per se. I, I think it's a good system. Uh, it's probably one of the better systems on planet Earth. It's got to be pretty good because everybody's breaking their neck to get into it. <laughs> you know, there's more. They're, they're coming in. They're coming here by the the droves. I think they have to be coming here to tell us how good communism is, and 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 how, how wonderful it must be. Because that's why they're coming here, to tell us, us poor United States people that economy is so wonderful and, and bring it here to us. No, they're, they're escaping that. They're, they're, they, they make boats to get out of Cuba, to, to get to Florida, to get away from it. They're, the world's trying, and of course people do leave here, but for the most part, and I've said this before, America is voted the number one nation in the world every year. There's an election every year. We're voted number one. You say, well, when does this vote take place? Well, it's, it's by people who who file for visas to get here. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the vote. More people trying to get here than anywhere else. So, this, so I, I like it here. I was born here. I had the privilege of being born here. Many of you came here. I admire your courage for that. But again, this system that we have, we see the corruption in our system. We know the greed that's in this system. We see, we, we, and if you don't see it, you're not paying attention. Now, because we are believers, we're not to love this world. Believers, we're forgiven. We have experienced the grace of God. We've been forgiven. 
We have the true knowledge of God as revealed to us from the Word of God. The Bible tells us who God is. And we can know who God is because it's revealed to us. And because we are believers, we're believers because we have the Word of God abiding in us. That, and we read the Word of God, and, and Jesus Christ is the written Word made flesh. He dwells amongst us. Uh, John has already told us how we can overcome our enemy. These all make us believers. And so as believers, we're not to love the world because of who we are. Because of who we are. I don't love that because of who I am. I'm a child of God. And as a child of God, this world is opposed to me. And it's opposed to my Christ. This world killed my Savior. This world hated my Savior. Jesus said, if the world would, has, hates me, they're going to do what? They're going to hate you. So why am I going to love something that hates my God? I shouldn't. Would I hang around with somebody who hated my wife? Would I hang around somebody who hated my children? Would I make somebody my best friend who hated this church? Of course not. I'm careful with that. And if you hate my wife and you hate my children, then guess what? You pretty much hate me and I really don't care to associate so much with you. If you hate my God, you hate my Bible, you hate my Christian beliefs, then I, I still want you to be saved, but I, I'm not going to fellowship and hang around with you because we, we don't see eye to eye. We're in disagreement here on these things. The world loves its own, the Bible says. The world loves its own. And since we are not part of this world because we are believers in Christ, the world's not going to like us. So again, on the basis of identity, you see in Paris they were spray painting the Star of David on the homes of Jews letting them know Jews live here. That's a little eerie, by the way. That's a little flashbacks to 1930, 1940 Europe, by the way. I hate to say this. The Jews always say never again, but if you're not paying attention, it's happening again. If you didn't see the Palestinian marches all across this country, and especially in D.C., which are very disturbing, you're not paying attention. So our identity makes us different. And because the world is filled with fallen sinners, and though we're saved by grace, we are different. <coughs> we are not better per se, but we're just different. Because I have Christ. And with Christ, I see things differently. And I walk differently, and I talk differently, and I act differently. And we're not to love this world because of what the world does. What does the world do? Well, in this scripture, he says for Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The meaning of all this is that the world, and, and, and is from the world appears to, to fit in three categories. When Satan tempted Eve, he hit her with three categories. And everything in this world can be fit in these three categories. Lust of the flesh lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Sin is a, the dominant reality in this world. As we look at this verse, we see, by definition, sin is lawlessness. Sin is when we say, you know what, I don't care what's right or wrong. I'm going to do something 
because that's what I want to do. That's, what, that's the definition of sin. It's like sin's missing the mark. Children do it all the time. Don't do this and they do it. It's a part of our sin nature to, to just do these things. Yet when we come to the Word of God, we see where God is a holy God who does not sin, and God talks about the law of righteousness and, 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 and how He wants us to be obedient, not sinful and, and, and walk wicked, but we're to walk a certain way. Sin manifests itself in outward actions. Outward actions. But where did those outward actions, what caused them? Where did they come from? Well, they sprang within our heart. They, they, they originated inside of us. Somewhere along the line, we, we, we contemplated a thought. And we, and we meditated on that thought before finally we, an outward action was taking place. We decided, you know what, let me think about this. And, and, and that en encompasses everything. No matter what sin you think about, it started in your heart. I can do this. Or I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit this action. Now when we... There she goes. Emma, how we doing? You were in the wrong place. Last week, your sister was in the wrong place over there. We like swapping you kids out around here. Let me, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, everything hit me early. So seventh grade, man, I'm breaking out and nobody else is. I look like, you know, ruining my good looks and everything. You're getting all messed up. And, you know, your parents love you. Your parents care for you. So they buy all the stuff that's going to help you. And listen, you put the creams on, you put the lotions on. Listen, I hate to say it. You can put all the creams and lotions on your skin all you want. It's really just part of your body changing. and It's, it's internal, just coming out through your skin. It's hormones and everything else. It's just so Clearasil and all the other stuff, it just may dry it up. But this, there's another one waiting in the wings to come out. It's just, and so it was awful. I, I, I hated those teenage years and... And uh, it was just, I, and I feel bad for every teenager who ever goes through it. I never make fun of any kid because I, I remember exactly what it was like. And it's just, and I try to downplay it with every young person. But why are they doing it? Because it's just, it's inside. It's just coming out. It will pass. It's a, it's a, it's a phase and it will fade away and pass. And, and I made it through my teenage years without one mark left upon my face. God preserved my beauty and then, at 24, the kids in Sunday school chicken-poxed me. And uh, I broke out with chicken-pox, which left me scarred. And so God punished me for my pride. And <laughs> Crystal, don't be so admin shaking your head there. <laughs> She's like, preach it, brother. <laughs> the glory. And, uh, and so there it is. It all, and so there it is. So if you look at them, either it's a Tonka truck that hit me in the face or chicken pox that did all this damage to me. My, I, I kind of say all that jokingly to say that sin, my friend, starts out in the heart and it, then it manifests itself in the outward actions. 
A man robs a bank, where does it start? It starts in his heart. A man commits adultery, where does it start? It starts in his heart. If we think about any sin, it starts in our heart. And so God's letting us know that, you know, all this in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And sin is a very foul thing. God despises sin. God hates it. God does not like it. Sin by nature is both rebellious and it's ungrateful. And when we think about sin and what we're doing in our actions, we're showing ungratitude. If we sin against, and all sin is against God, by the way. We can sin against our parents. We can sin against our spouse. We can sin against our friends. We can sin against our government. But really, at the end, it all goes back to God. I, I, I choose not to do what God tells me to do. It's us shaking our fists in the face of a holy God. It's an attitude that, that Solomon had, I'm sorry, Absalom had, where he rebelled against his own father, David. It's an, it's an attitude that, that says, you know what? Uh, in Romans, it says, even though they knew God, they did not what? Did not give God glory and honor God for who he was. I'm not going to recognize God. That's sin in us. And can we understand that sin really is, it, humanly speaking, is incurable. There's no remedy for it. My kid is rebellious, Pastor. What am I going to do? Well, here's some things you can do, but at the end of the day, it goes down to, to this. And until this gets fixed, your child's going to be rebellious. And by the way, if mom and dad are rebellious, it's pretty much going to demonstrate in their in their kids. I grew up a very angry young person. I really was. It didn't take much to set me off. Uh, we could turn on a dime as a young person. You say, why, why were you so angry? Because I grew up in an angry home. My father was a very angry man. And my mother was not. My mother was an angel. How she ever, if it wasn't for my father's blue eyes, I, I don't think she would have, she, she never should have married him. But she was a believer. He wasn't. And and next thing you know, here we are. But my father was a very angry man, so we grew up in a very angry home. There's always this blanket of heaviness and anger in that home. And so out on the streets, you're hanging out, and you go, hey, 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 and somebody says something, boom, you're, you're ready to take him out. You got a problem? You want to dance? Let's dance. And uh, you may get your head clean, but you're, gonna, you're, you're just angry. My friend, the only thing that changed that in my life is Christ. And so the home my kids grew up in compared to the home I grew up in was night and day. We didn't have an angry home. My kids did not grow up angry, ready to kill everybody and, and fight the, the world because the home was different. And by the way, understand something, young people. And I don't say this to brag on me. It's all the glory of God because God stepped in. God changed things. And, uh, and, and, and homes after home can repeat the same cycle until somebody says in that home, you know what? Let's change things. And I can go back in my generations, look at how things were from, from generation to generation. And listen, by the grace of God, we, we broke that, that cycle. And that's God stepped in when Jesus saved me. And changed my life. And so our home is different from all my cousins' homes and, and, and other people's homes because Jesus stepped in. 
So my kids never knew that by the grace of God. They never saw their mother and father screaming and yelling and hating each other. They never saw their dad drunk. They never saw any of those things. They grew in a home where Christ was glorified. But I had to realize in my life one day that I have an incurable problem. It's called sin. It's, and my sin is making rebellious. And Jesus Christ is the only answer to that. If you get diagnosed with cancer, you're going to try and find the best cancer doctor around. Who's the best doctor to help me out with this situation? And you're going to, and, and if you're, Children, you're going to find out, and it doesn't care what you cost, you'll, you'll mortgage everything to make sure they get treated properly. Well, my friend, there is no cure for sin in this world except Jesus Christ, and that's the one thing the world doesn't want to give you. <laughs> that's why the local church is here to go out into the world and tell you we've got a cure for what ails you, and it's called Jesus Christ. And sinners have no capacity in and of themselves to remedy their sin. Again, it's, it's, it's a incurable problem and I must hurry here the sinner himself is responsible for his sinful actions and this is what gets me in problems with a lot of people you know see pastor you see that that's that's called the disease no cancer is a disease diabetes is a disease sin is a choice we choose to do that my brother stole a car when he was a teenager did my brother have the disease of car theft? No, he made a choice to steal a car. I had two brothers die from drugs. Did they have the disease of drugs? No, they had a choice. They made a choice one day. Somewhere along the line in my brother's past, which started with alcohol, and then smoking dope, and then, then to pills, and then to, to mainlining, then their lives they lost their lives. They made choices. They made bad choices, which all can stem to the home itself and the things that were going on in the home. You know, I, I don't talk about my home. You, you hear enough, but I, really, I never really tell you what went on. I don't. Because it's not important to know all those things. But I tell you, I, I grew up with things that no child should ever grow up with and, and lived in a bedroom where just about everything was going on and witnessed and saw it. Those were all choices. Those were all decisions to be made. And all those decisions were laid before me. They really were. I had the choices. I could have done these things. My teenage years were not perfect years. But again, Jesus stepped in and made the difference. I don't know why, but he did. <laughs> And so when we think about sin and all the things, he talks about the lust of the flesh. And the lust, what is the lust of the flesh? This refers to the debased cravings of the evil heart, the sinful essence of ourselves. The word translated lust is a common New Testament word, which means uh, has a both a positive and negative desire, but... Here refers to negative, to the sensual impulses from the world that draw people towards transgressions. When we think of the word lust, it usually has a sensual, sexual connotation, but that's not always the case. It's just lusting after the things of this world. You're watching people, by the way, stealing and getting graft and bribed and bought. You're like, dude, how much money do you actually need? You're already worth 
$20 million or $100 million, and here you are getting older and feebler, and yet you're still grasping for more. When is it enough? Well, it's never satisfied. It never, that, that appetite, that lustful appetite is never satisfied. Again, the deeds of the flesh are very evident. The Bible in Galatians gives us all the deeds of the flesh and uh, talks about you know, immorality and impurity and all the sensualness and, and lust and drunkenness and everything else that goes with it. That's the lust of the flesh. This is what the body desires. And, and listen, the world lives for the weekend. It's 5 o'clock somewhere and, and, and party and live it up and, 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 and live for the weekend. The only problem is with the weekend, the weekend goes into Monday. I had a friend in high school, and I've told you about him before, a very close friend. We started hanging out when we were in eighth grade. We went all through high school together. He was a year older than me. And Paul had everything going for him. He was good-looking, a very handsome young man. He was, uh, he was uh, scholarships and wrestling. He was highly intelligent. I mean, he had the trifecta, the looks, the brains, and the athleticism to go with it. Everything. And yet, my friend is, is, is dead today. And they found him homeless in, in, in down there in Georgia. He lost his life because he couldn't control the drink. In high school, was like, we're going to party this weekend. And the partying turned into Monday and Tuesday and, and, and all week long until it destroyed his marriage and destroyed his life. And if you were to ask me in high school which one of all of us had hung out together, who's the first one to go, I never in a million years would have picked him. Never. Well, what happened? Sin. Sin. Lust. Lust of the flesh. Let me have more of this. And the problem with drink is that one drink never satisfies. What do you need? You need what? The next drink. It's like the dollar. I got one dollar. I need two dollars. I got two dollars. I got to have four dollars. It never is satisfied. The lust of the flesh... And the world entices sinners to, to thoughts and actions contrary to the will of God through the lust of flesh. And what did Satan do to Eve? He, he told her, look at the fruit. It's good to look at, isn't it? It's good looking. And she said, yeah, it sure is. What was he appealing to? He's appealing to her, her flesh. It's good to eat, isn't it? Going to that base nature in her. The Bible warns us about the lust of the eye. Again, eyes are a gift from God. I'm thankful for my eyes. They don't work as good as they used to. When I was younger, I used to brag, I got 20-20. I don't know what I have now. I have Magoo and Magoo up here. You know, it's like, you know, like, like you know, it's just, I got trifocals. I do. I'm wearing trifocals here. This is how bad life is. Anybody out there? Oh, there you are. And so I got this for distance, and then this for, this for, the, for this, and then, and then the, the bottom for, for when I'm doing the computer. So I'm like, and half the time I'm like, where, where in the world am I? And so now I understand my, my parents when they used to do this number. You, know? <laughs> you understand things. And by the way, I want to apologize to every old person I made fun of when I was a kid. When you ran across the street, I'm sorry. Because now I'm running the same way. across the <laughs> so It's all a circle, my friends. Be careful. You may, not me. No, listen. I'm thankful for my eyes. Eyes are a blessing. You can see everything. And all that we're able to see. If a person loses their eyesight, at least they have the memory of what once was. If a person's born blind, then I think, well, how is that? 
to not know what anything looks like, to not know colors or a tree or a landscape, how, or to, to explain a, of the beauty of fall or the, the leaves of spring or the, the, the beauty of a summer day. How do you describe that? And I thank for my eyes. But I've got to be careful with my eyes because my eyes are a gateway. And, and, and they, they go to my heart. And i got to be careful. It was Job who made the statement in, in, in the book of Job. He said, I, will, I made a promise with my eyes that I will not look upon a maid. And what was he referring to? He said, I'm not going to look at a woman to lust after. I've made a promise to myself. And so we've got to, he's, he's guarding his eyes. Be careful with your computers and your tablets and everything else and your phones, what you allow yourself to look at. Just because somebody's putting it on there for, for you to look at them doesn't mean you have to. Protect yourself. Guys, are, eyes are a wonderful thing, but my friend, these eyes, like the rest of us sinful nature, they can corrupt us. We can look at somebody else and say, look at how they're blessed, and, and they're cheating, and they're stealing, and they're robbing, and they're advancing, and here I am, I'm doing everything honest, and I got nothing. The Bible warns a lot about that, and God says, just be patient. <laughs> Just be patient. Their end is death. But you just be patient. Just be careful with what you do. Don't, don't be jealous of that crowd that's stealing the life chairs on the Titanic because they're going down with the life chairs. That's how it is. He talks about another avenue here. He talks about the pride of life. Pride is arrogance. It's, it's, again, it's, it's the motive for all other sins, and including the, the lust of the flesh. It seeks to elevate self above everyone else. Can I not so much pick on the world, but even in Christianity, I've noticed the things I got older, and I noticed when I was a young man, the idea of this pride of life, it's, it's in the realm of Christianity for a Christian to promote self. I want to become something within Christianity. Preachers are guilty of this. Preachers are always looking to make a name for themselves. I want to get to the conferences. I want to be the, the name on the marquee. Come here so-and-so tonight. Everybody wants to be everywhere, somewhere, every week preaching and, and becoming a name. That becomes very prideful. I, I, I'm, I'm content by the grace of God just to be here on Sundays and Wednesdays and preach and, because this is where God's given me. This is my corner of the world that God's given me. I'm content. If the world never knows my name, it's fine. It, it couldn't pronounce it to begin with. So I'm content to stay right here. Pride is the corruption of the, the noblest part of man's essence. It's, it, his rationality and spirit were, were created for him by God. And so pride corrupts all of that. I'm going to become something. There's nothing wrong with advancing yourself. There's nothing wrong with becoming smarter and, 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 and becoming something as long as it doesn't come to the point of pride where you trample on everything else to, to get to something. Pride, again, humanity defies God. It, it, it seeks to take God off the throne. And, and, and pride, by the way, is the sin of Satan, where he said, I'm going to be like God. I'm going to sit on his throne. I'll be exalted. I'm going I'm to have everything God has. I'm going to take it away from him. It's going to be mine. Didn't work out too well for him. And when our Savior was tempted, if you pay attention to the temptations, those three temptations were the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The same thing he tried on Eve, he tried on Jesus Christ. You hungry? I know you're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. I know you're hungry. I'll make these stones into to bread. You can do that. 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I know you, you want to be worshipped. Listen, I'll, 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 I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. By the way, Satan said that. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you fall, do what? Fall down and worship me. If you're paying attention to that statement, that tells you right there that Satan possesses the kingdoms of this world right now. That he owns them, including D.C. <laughs> he owns them all. And he said, Jesus, if you worship me, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to do any of that. And forget about it. You, I'll give them to you right now. And by the way, two things about Satan. He's a murderer and a liar. You can't trust a murderer. And you can't trust a liar. And so, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou shalt worship the Lord God, and him only shalt thou worship. And all three temptations are Savior quoted the word of God. And all three of those things, he would not give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. He resisted those temptations, teaching us that, again, and how did he overcome temptation? By the quoting of Scripture. Scripture is your only weapon against the attacks that you'll face. Not, I, I wish to be a better person. No, it's the Word of God. So again, we must use Scripture. And so the same things he defeated Satan. Satan defeated Eve with, he tried to defeat our Savior with, and he still uses today. And that's why you've got to be careful with a lot of this prosperity gospel preachers who are promising you health and wealth right now. It's the same snake oil that Satan sells. You know, you can have your best life now. What does that even mean? My best life now? i got a good life now. i got Jesus Christ. My best life is still to come. It's called eternity. That's where it really picks up and it kicks into gear. I don't, my best life now, I, the, all those books and all those sermons you hear by these, these guys on TV who are multi, 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 multi millionaires with private jets. That should be your first clue something wrong, by the way. You ought to be paying attention to these guys. If they were really caring about the people, $65 million could feed a lot of people and help a lot of people in this world and take care of a lot of orphans and a lot of widows on this planet instead of they buy a $65 million jet to fly off to their mansion in Maui. Preacher, don't you wish you had a mansion in Maui? No, it might have burned down. I got, I got a mansion in glory, amen. <laughs> Nothing's going to happen to it up there. It's all good. If I could get the back to Maui, that'd be nice. But uh, it's it's it, and I'll just be as a tourist and sleep in the hotel overnight. But I I I have I'm not desiring the things of this world. We shouldn't either. And we shouldn't love the world for another reason. Verse 17, and the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. My friend, the world is passing away. It's going to end. Every ruler has built themselves large, magnificent palaces. Every single one throughout the, the course of history, they've built palatial palaces for themselves. And where are those palaces today? I was reading the other day in the Bible where uh, the king was in his summer palace. That summer palace doesn't exist anymore, but he was in his summer palace. I don't, you have, again, I'm not against your summer shore house. You had a house down the shore, God bless you. Or you have the house at the lake, God bless you. I'm not against those things. My point is here that every ruler has built their kingdoms and they've all died and their, king, and their palaces are all 
destroyed, all wiped out, all gone. Everything passes away. Even we will pass away. But he says in this verse, But he that doeth the will of God, he abides forever. My friend, the world is temporary, and yet Christianity is an eternal thing where it goes on forever. And yet so many people are willing to sacrifice on the altar, the, the, the permanent, on the altar, the temporary. I mean, I should have it now. Let me have it now. If I was to tell you, hey, listen, later on we're going to go out. I got, I got a five-course meal lined up. It's soup to nuts. It's delicious. It's going to be wonderful. We're going to go out to this beautiful restaurant, and, and we're, going to, we're going to do good. You say, well, I'm kind of hungry right now. Well, just hold out. Just hold out. Just hold out. We're going to. But you say, you know what? I, I'm really hungry. So you stop it. Go down the street here to Big Nick's, and you get a pie. And then you show up to the restaurant 10 minutes later, and you're like, I ain't hungry. Oh, uh. So you turn down all the good stuff. For a, a, nothing wrong with a pie from Nick's, by the way. But, you know, if I got some choice of some things, you know, I'll, I'll take some, you know, you, you got some filet mignon down there. You got a lobster tail. You didn't got some, you know, I'll, 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 I'll wait. But so many people willing to risk for the here and the now to get their little moment of glory and miss the big picture of eternity. And as Christians, we see the big picture. I hope you do. This is temporary. Everybody's just, it's coming and going. Remember COVID? We don't want anybody to die. Ever? <laughs> it was like people were trying to stop death. Now, again, I'm, 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 I'm not for killing everybody. You understand? But there's a strange mentality that nobody should ever die. Well, no, people die all the time, every day. By the boatloads, they leave this planet in boatloads every single day. Men go off into eternity. You ever read this book? You ever pay attention? And he died. And he died. And she died. And he died. And he died. And he did. You think you exempt from that? You think somehow you that's not going to happen to you? No, it is. But when we have Christ, we have the hope of eternity and the knowledge of eternity that this, there, there's more to this. This little place here, there's more. And so the world's going to pass away, but I'm going to live forever because I've done the will of God. What's the will of God? That a man be born again by the Spirit of God and know Him. And then because I know that, God's given me eternal life and I'll never perish. And so, yeah, people grasp for everything here. And so John is warning these people and everything. If you go to Ephesus today... They say, we think this is where the church was, and they'll show you some ruins of, a, of where a church may have been from the 3rd or 4th century. But wherever these people were in this 1st century, we don't know where they were meeting. And all their homes are gone, all their clothes are gone, all their jewelries are gone, all their chariots are gone, all their horses are gone, everything's gone. But those who knew Christ still live forever. They're still alive. And everybody else is in hell waiting for judgment without life. And so we have to have a right picture of this thing. Yes, I, I'm, I'm fond of this world. I enjoy its creation. I enjoy the things of this world. I enjoy life here. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about don't get caught up in the systems of this world because they're evil. They're evil. Do the will of God and you'll abide forever. Let's stand together for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your goodness and your mercy.
thank you for Jesus who loved us and died on Calvary's cross. Now, Father, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts now. And the Spirit of God, help us to not be enamored with this world, knowing, Lord, that it will soon be burned up and destroyed. And that someday, Lord, you'll create a new heaven and a new earth because you've told us so.